really so much tech sabotage. Maybe I should keep a floating uh, <laughs> floating time slot so that, that whoever tries to shut me up can't. Um, so thank you for joining the Unsanctioned Citizen podcast. We air every morning, or every Monday morning rather, um, at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time, typically. Typically. And so we talk about all kinds of stuff on the program. Typically, we go after things like medical sanctioning, vaccine passports, um, anything that's going to lead to a precipitous checkpoint state, you know, a nosedive into fascist tyranny or any kind of real hard authoritarian tact that's going to make you really grit your teeth and, you know, wish wish for death at times. Anyways, American life be sucking because there is a new monkeypox. No longer shall there be a pox upon our houses, but monkeypox. They just couldn't stay away from it. They just couldn't. So I wanted to start the uh, program. Started late today, unfortunately. Um, not not anyone's fault. Let me invite some people. Need to do that. Um, so let's see here. Colin gives you the opportunity to invite a lot of people and get them in the room with you. So we have Isaac listening. So thank you, Isaac. Thanks for showing up, listening to the Sanctioned Citizen Podcast. Um, so I wanted to start with some SARS-CoV-2 news. We do get news in from alternative sources. Robert Malone did work on the mRNA, and uh, he's being treated as an apostate, a medical apostate, for you know raising concerns that you know the vaccine might not be safe. So. But he does have corroborating medical evidence from other places, and so he's he's placing his medical claims in a responsible way online on his Substack. There's a couple of Substack um, editors and writers that Alex Berenson been very responsible, Robert Malone also responsible. So I've read some stuff from his blog specifically on this program. So he says he claims that SARS-CoV-2 spike protein is a toxin, and the fact checkers were wrong. People continue to suffer the consequences. First, he says, a quick overview of the various fact-checking organization statements. How many people develop brain damages or lost life uh, or that of a loved one because of accepting a vaccine based on the falsehoods propagated by the grossly unqualified fact-checkers? Uh, do they have criminal liability for their falsehoods and propaganda? As you look through this, please keep in mind that the FDA has approved three doses of these mRNA vaccines for administration to all of our 5 through 11-year-old children under emergency use authorization. So it's under emergency use. It's not. It's still an experimental drug, um, even though there really is no medical emergency. Now, I guess... There should be a debate whether or not there is a medical emergency. There should be. Um, is this an emergency anymore for COVID? And there really should be. Uh, I have been recommending for probably at least eight months uh, that there be a congressional um, assembly floor vote of some sort. Um, it definitely needs to get out of committee. 
that we need to call a halt to the emergency administration of the pandemic. And see, because they, they call too much centralized power onto uh, the cause of pandemic. And unfortunately, these, these, uh, these officials do not want to give up that power. And so since it is going away, they're scrambling and grabbing and trying to get on to some sort of permanent foray so that they can they can control sovereign nations. Uh, and there's there's a someone made a past Tedros at the at WHO. No, no, we are we are pandemic power. You shall do what we say because pandemic always uh, because WHO do it and make the U.S. government uh, enforce it. So that that was a pass. You know, like how a guy tries to grope you at a bar, that that's a pass at globalized, you know, power grab. And and what you do is you twist the nose of people like Tedros and you push them backward and you say, no, you don't get to do that. There's nothing in our constitution that says that we're going to just fork over all sovereign power to the WHO. That's just not going to happen. There's no... There's no real precedent to do that. I don't think that's legally untenable. So I'm just going to object to that on its face. It's just, it's it's a little bit too much. It's a little it's a little bit much, but it's like a pass. It's like somebody taking a pass at you. And so there's there's SARS-CoV-2, and then there is this other note here. Biden sounds the alarm on monkeypox. And monkeypox is so weird. It's like this weird, you know, superpox from uh, from Africa, and it's super rare and weird. So I wanted to pull this up and read just like the first couple of graphs on this. Uh, President Joe Biden claims Sunday that everybody should be concerned about an increase of monkeypox cases in Europe and the U.S., although the president hasn't admitted that he hasn't received information from his advisors on the disease yet. Speaking to reporters before leaving Japan and South Korea, Biden said that his advisors haven't told me the level of exposure yet, but it is something that everyone should be concerned about, adding, we're working on it hard to figure out what we do and what vaccine, if any, may be available for it. But it is a concern in the sense that if it were to spread, it's consequential, and that's all they have told me. Um, as of May of 21st of this year, there's more than 80 cases of monkeypox that have been re- reported in Australia, the United States, Canada, and Europe. In a statement the day before, the World Health Organization said it's working to investigate another 50 suspected cases, warning that more could be reported in the near future. So the only one with an active, like, mandatory quarantine in the West is Brussels. Brussels has an active mandatory, mandatory, sorry, quarantine on that. So let's hob it over here. So we've got all these, all these, uh, all these pox mandates and monkeypox mandates. Some of the news that came out over the weekend says that if you go get a smallpox vaccine, it will activate the same 
level of antibodies to combat the monkeypox vaccine. So if it, it suddenly becomes a weird, overarching, you know, airborne transmissible thing, you know, th- there is an accommodation for you if you must, must, must be immune to the monkeypox vaccine. Um, it's, it's a little trying and trifling to kind of know about this and kind of have to deal with another co- uh, relatively trumped up vaccine. I just, I just wanted to say something about this before I go on to the next subject. Is that there was a I retweeted a, a tweet that is now no longer available because it got pulled down. How interesting. And it was basically BlackRock and Vanguard had produced a vaccine investment plan that started out on the main night. And I think Twitter may have censored this information because it makes them look bad. But it had it had been pulled up onto my onto my thread and then consequently pulled down because it showed who the investors were um, from Vanguard and BlackRock and to this monkeypox vaccine. So something be hinky, something. And it looks like somebody's trying to to. Right now, it's being called a conspiracy theory, but when stuff like that happens, it kind of supports the idea that maybe maybe somebody is trying to do something. The Davos class of uh, the Davos criminal class, because they're not all criminals necessarily, um, might be trying to pull something with you know, creating a, a pandemic and a market, manufacturing a market for monkeypox vaccines, which is kind of Anyways, so we talk about sanctioning on the program because, you know, it doesn't always turn out to be a direct sanction. Things are like an indirect sanction or an embargo where you're not able to get things that you normally are able to get. And um, so I got a note here from Jayer. Um, We're still under authorization for use of military OMF from 2001. Never-ending war and emergency powers. Yeah. The uh, emergency authorization. It's really kind of a tough, tough road to hoe. The oomph, they keep reauthorizing it. And um, that makes our lives continually hard because we're never able to let go of that war piece. So I'm just going to move on to a couple other incidental pieces of news. UK has fined Clearview which is a biometric um, algorithm that does all kinds of capturing of online profile data. So they're, they're finding them like 10 million for privacy breaches. So when the next time somebody tells you that biometrics for security is secure, don't believe them because privacy breaches. So the UK's Data Protection Watchdog has confirmed a penalty for the controversial facial recognition company Clearview AI, announcing a fine of 
just over 7.5 million pounds today, 10 million U.S. dollars, for a string of breaches of local privacy laws. The watchdog has also issued an enforcement notice ordering Clearview to stop obtaining and using the personal data of U.K. residents that is a publicly that is publicly available on the internet and telling it to delete the information of UK residents from its systems. The US company has amassed a database of over 20 billion plus facial images by scraping data off the public internet, such as from social media services to create an online database that it uses to power AI-based identity matching services, that which it sells to entities such as law enforcement. And the problem is that Clearview has never asked individuals whether it can use their selfies for that. And in many countries, it has been found to be in breach of privacy laws. You're going to hear this again and again. Um, statists and people who, who are invested in the biometric security landscape claiming falsely that your data shall be secure, it'll be secure, it's secure. We're doing it, we're using biometrics so that so that this transaction shall be secure. It is not, and they are not able to secure it, and biometric data is very difficult to, to reproduce because it's your body, and once it's out, it's out. So do not trust, do not trust biometric security, period. Okay, in so keeping with that, D.C. Attorney, there's a D.C. Attorney General that has sued Mark Zuckerberg himself over the Cambridge Analytica scandal. That's happened. That happened today. The suit filed Monday accuses the Meta CEO of being directly involved in the decision-making that led to siphoning of personal data of million, millions of Facebook users. D.C. Attorney General Carl Racine on Monday sued Mark Zuckerberg seeking to hold the CEO of Facebook parent company Meta liable for data abuses and for misleading Facebook users about their privacy protections. The suit filed in D.C. Superior Court alleges that Zuckerberg directly participated in decisions that enabled the Trump-allied political consultancy Cambridge Analytica to siphon the personal data of millions of users. Racine sued the company over its data practices in 2018 in a case that's ongoing, but he is now seeking to find Zuckerberg personally over his role in the events. This unprecedented security breach exposed tens of millions of Americans' personal information and Mr. Zuckerberg's policies enabled a multi-year effort to mislead users about the extent of Facebook's wrongful conduct, Racine said in a news release. This lawsuit is not only warranted but necessary and sends a message that corporate leaders, including CEOs, will be held ac accountable for their actions. I'm like, well, okay, great. Let's see where it goes. Now, I'm cautiously optimistic. Maybe, maybe something will happen this time. Maybe something decent. So I guess we can move on to, to to the hard sanctions of what's going on out there. Okay, at the moment, Russia is sanctioning U.S. citizens because we have sanctioned Russia. So there, I wanted to include this TrustTheQ.com. Uh, U.S. citizens under personal sanctions, including a ban on entry into the Russian Federation. 
So, Starship Russia no longer admitting. Oh, the numbers are like in the 600, 700. And it's people like Evelyn Farkas, Diane Goldman Bur- Berman. She's a Democratic senator from... Oh, Berman Feinstein. They, they sanctioned Senator Feinstein from, from California. She's number 812 on the list, by the way. Keep going. So don't don't go to Russia, Senator. Let's see here. Michael Chertoff can't go. So no Russia for you, Mike Chertoff. Let's see here. Veronica Escobar. Democratic Party of the state of Texas. So Veronica can't go. I know you just want to go vacation in, on the Black Sea. I know you just want to go do that. There's John Yu. John Yu can't go. He was the deputy attorney general of the U.S. And during the Bush administration. That's the pro-torture guy. He can't go. So. <laughs> All right. So there, there are some, some U.S. sanctions going on here. So the, what they're considering is, is this uh, economic policy. Because I guess it falls underneath economic policy. And uh, so here's the Washington Post. Global economic tremors complicate Western leaders' Russia sanctions. As world financial leaders meet in Germany, mounting, mounting, recession fears pose new hurdles to financial attacks on the Kremlin. Uh, is it worth it? Bon Germany. Growing fears of a, a global economic slowdown are compacting and complicating Western allies' financial campaigns against Russia. As world leaders, leaders struggle to craft new punishment for Moscow without compounding inflation and other domestic challenges. They think they've got this all figured out and in the bag. They don't. So when Russia invaded Ukraine in late February, American and European economic leaders believed their countries were on track for a successful rebound from the coronavirus pandemic, which they have not gotten out of the emergency place. So how are they really on a rebound? Anyways, and hopeful that inflation might abate. Yeah, without. But three months later, the global finance ministers gathering in Western Germany this week face a more worrying international economic outlook amid fears that the central bank interest hikes could help push parts of the global economy into recession. Well, when Jerome Powell is saying, let's hike interest rates because it'll make a few of us rich. Um,. That does not help. Jerome Powell is not helping. He he giving me nightmares. And I don't usually have financial nightmares at night. I'm a normal person. Um, these headwinds are putting additional pressure on the United States and Europe to ensure their sanctions on Russia do not further tip the world into a, a new economic crisis. Well, you're in charge. Why don't you do something like stem interest rates just for a little bit? Can you try that? Already experts say the war has sent the cost of food skyward, which risks sparking a hunger crisis in parts of the developing world. Energy prices have also both soared in Europe and the United States, despite President Biden's move to release an enormous amount of the nation's oil reserves. I mean, that's something he could also kind of remedy, too. I mean, we don't have to fire up the XL pipeline. We could just 
let people continue to use the derricks in their yards. There's plenty of independent oil pumpers here in Texas, California, you know, in the Midwest, Wyoming. They all go to oil, man. Just let them little derricks go to go to market. You know, it doesn't require a pipeline. There are people, roughnecks, who will refine that stuff for you, put it right, right back in the market. Right back in the market. But, no. See here, uh, the British government on Wednesday reported that prices in April were up 9% from one year ago, outpacing inflation, even in the United States. Asked by reporters on Wednesday about the global economic risks, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen emphasized the importance of ensuring the sanctions inflict the maximum impact on Russia while trying to minimize the spillovers to ourselves. I think she needs to go back to the drawing board. She said, Balancing this tension is always the core of the conversations we've had, both for energy and other related sanctions. Turns out Jan Yellen is not like the good fulcrum bearer that she purported to be because we be in inflation and she will not be forgiven not until we come out of it so there is that more 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 alright so here we are at sanctions let me try to get some more people come come to the come to the table again so we've got Andrew maybe you're online let's see here oh hey look it's Blotty he wants to come talk hey Blotty unmute your mic you can say say something so is Hello, this good infla- morning. inflation a tax or a sanction on the United States citizen it's it's a little bit of both, but I really think it's it's uh, it's already been pre-planned to, to to make life worse. It should have happened a long time ago. So, so make life worse we got, but but I, I think it's important to, to delineate whether it's a tax or a sanction. You know, it can be both too. It it would be more look not definitely a sanction. It would be more like a tax, a tax on the American people. And what people forgot is our history regarding no taxation without representation. We're sending what was it, thirty-three billion the first time, now forty billion to to Ukraine. When in the history of the United States has that happened? The last time I remember there was any money exchanged between it was in World War Two. It was the United States. Hey, all Blake, these countries got in debt. Can you turn up the depth. volume on your mic a little bit? You're you're a bit low. Sorry. Uh, it was in World War Two. The last time that any country got in debt with the United States, it was through loans. Um, Countries like England were heavily in debt to the United States because they were ill-prepared to face Germany. But okay. that was a loan. That was a loan. It wasn't a giveaway. Right, he, right here with, with Biden, you don't hear about a loan. All you hear is here, we're giving $80 million, I mean $40 million. Who the hell is he to be doing that? Obama gave uh, those bastards from Iran $153 million, uh, billion. No government oversight, no legislation, no mm-hmm. nothing. It's like the, it's print the money, give it to them. And, and you'll be well off. No, we, we got to stop that nonsense. There, ha- there should be a law in the Constitution that prevents the president from just doing this without some oversight, without it being debated in, in Congress and, you know, on both houses. Mm. This is wrong. 
who's, who ends up paying the bill? I mean, the Democrats are are notorious for their bullshit. They're they're horrible in business because they kill business, but they 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 do a uh, a socialist free giveaway to the whole world at our cost. But what we need to do as a country is not that I, I want to push for isolate isolationism or anything. Is we got to stop all this bullshit. We got to let the world be. And well, we'll be a little bit more specific about what the bullshit is. Tell, tell us well, the what bu- the bullshit the, is. The, the, the bullshit is the, the money giveaway, the, the bad foreign policy. The United States needs to stop getting involved too much in other countries. We cannot fix the whole world. If the world goes to war, we'll let them go to war for crying out loud. It is their business. It is their problem. And mm-hmm. Another big over, overarching problem is called the United Nations, European Union. Um, they are a problem. They won't dare go against the U.S., but of course, when you play along, when you're part of the, that gang, of course, you're going to be doing all sorts of, 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 of evil stuff be, behind uh, closed doors, and you're going to be manipulating people if they don't play by your rules or killing people or taking them out of power, whichever comes first. And I think the United States has got to stop that shit, really. It's, in, in reality, it's, it's sanctioning us over, over the long run. It's taxing us. We're the ones fitting the bill for the rest of the world. 700 or what is it 750 billion dollars in 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 our in our government industrialized uh, military complex we got to stop that nonsense really we have our own problems like like japan says it i won't accept immigrants because i have domestic problems that's what it tells the united nations i can't accept immigrants because i have domestic problems in reality it's telling i don't want those fucking muslims here because i don't want them to bring in their religion well, I don't, I don't know about that. I mean, because we, we have Muslims already here, and we have freedom of religion in, in the United States. That's the way it is. And, 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 and but, you know, if you if you were suddenly turned over and, and called called a terrible person, and uh, you became tomorrow's kulak, because because why? Because you're a Christian, or because you're in, it, Christian improper. You know, you, you didn't do oh. your Christianity right according to the state. Something like that, you know, because those types of, types of things, they take a hairpin turn and they'll turn anyone into an enemy of the state for any convenient political reason. So I'm all, it's always very dangerous. The faith itself or the religion itself and some of its practice. Now, that there is Wahhabism and there is terrorism. And terrorism is when you get theocrats who want to run the world according to their their government aims you know people have used religion as governments it's it's a very ancient way of doing things as far as running people uh, I don't really subscribe to it um, because if for whatever reason I mean we've we've had our ups and downs with that in the United States as well in the olden days uh, before there was say like a court system or even a local police when people were being deputized and in the early days in the United States uh, what they would do is particularly among Baptists they would deputize the Baptist religious faction as a pseudo court system and if you defied them or if you did something that they didn't like, um, they they would turn that into some sort of offense and then you would end up in uh, let, let me jail. let me let me chill in a little bit. 
What you mean, for example, was the WAF, Sheila, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. They were a lot of them were responsible for the for the lynching of blacks. They came out of church and went to hang their black. And 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 yes, I, I don't know how could you be Christian. I've been Christian all my life. How could you be Christian like that? Well, Why I mean, I think that people in religion God? use it for power. That's that's the whole thing. They get an assembly of people, and they get them to show up at their events at a regular basis, just like the RNC and the DNC does. And they get this this false sense of of power that doesn't really, you know, no one really and, voted and, and, for and, them. And, and believe it, believe it or not, Shayla, I compare it to Nazi Germany. How the hell did one false messiah called Hitler? was able to bring factions of the right and the left. He got up through the left, but he brought the conservative right, which was Lutheran Christian, uh, 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 lib- uh, the liberal branch, not in orthodoxy. Orthodoxy would be like the men like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who died again fighting Hitler and, and for life. He, he died, unfortunately. That was the conservative orthodoxy. But the liberal, which was the majority in Germany at that time, God convinced of their white supremacy through this mis- false Messiah called Hitler, and they went along with the rest of the country. And since yeah, he was and, and that's, also- that's hysteria. I, I think that that's just a form of hysteria, and it was driven by by economic need and people desperate. You know, there's some desperation always in a. Every time there's a hysteria, where you know one segment of the population must be the enemy, they must be. You know, they're looking for the final solution. Um, they're not looking within. They're not looking at the actual forces that that are responsible for the economic blowout. And so, to be a cool-headed person, I'm always going to look at the people who are in charge of the, you know, the the rings and strings on the economy. Uh, I'm not going to go after a people group. Um, I'm kind of that's one of the reasons why I followed Glenn Greenwald's work so closely is because at any time you could turn into that Muslim and 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 lose essentially all of your civil liberties for for no reason and that's so unfair because that happened to the Native American people it's happened to black people periodically through many many strains of the United States history I just don't want it to happen anymore it happened to the Japanese people they got placed in internment camps it's happened to Chinese Americans they were you know systematically suppressed for being you know Chinese Americans and so you know everybody's got their their turn on the on the crap wheel I would just say let's just get rid of the crap wheel because we have civil liberties we have civil liberties that are supposed to be protecting all people in, in equanimity not equity equanimity like all people have the same rights at all times if they commit crime well then that's the crime for instance okay there were there was a succession of bills that kept coming out coming out coming out during the late Bush administration into even into the Obama administration they're like make this a terrorist act and I'm like terrorism is already illegal it's already illegal to go bomb a building. It's called arson. You know, it's already to do it for, you know, already illegal for 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 criminal purposes, but they needed it to be for for political reasons. You know, they could they could light up a a torchy little, you know, dramatic bureau offense bill and then staff it with, you know, 12 do-nothings who were just, you know, inspecting the US population for for pseudo crime. And nobody was going to go for that, especially me. 
Because any, it turned out this is what they do. They they get a little bureau like that, just like the disinformation board, and then they turn not crime into crime somehow. It's not crime, and then you end up losing your freedoms, and and it's not based on any law. It's always kind of some sort of like, like stoked or kind of shunt around it. I'm like, well, we're not gonna call it a law. We're just gonna we're just gonna create a situation where you. You know, appear to be criminal, and then th- then we'll we'll slap a reasonable suspicion label on that, and then after that, you know, we'll we'll find some law that you've broken, and it won't be what we were originally looking for, but we'll get you in jail anyway because because numbers, and we need to m- make the quota so that our bureau department will have a staff and a budget during the next fiscal year according to the Congress. So there's self-interested, self-manufacturing crises that, that are ongoing. And I, I'm going to go back to, to Isaac. Isaac, yeah, I mean, if we just got rid of the whole emergency law, lawmaking to begin with, we would not be dealing with a lot of this. Um, but it, it, t- it does take some convincing because there's self-dealing in the Congress um, that's been going on for 20 years. Uh, the the military du- industrial complex is involved, but they're not the only ones anymore. They've they've managed to make this a really rich making enterprise for people who get involved in government. Well, if, if you if if you've seen Shayla, that when they drew drew up this bill almost 20 years ago, pretty much by now, is. I noticed that the, the the first people they started going after, and, and I wouldn't blame them, were people were talk that were talking about it. That that was the the, the at first that you know what is it going to do the you know the fear mongering whatever. But it, they started living up to it because the government was visiting people, so it wasn't visiting Muslims. It was visiting American citizens. But I believe that not only did they put this as an excuse, to, you know, against uh, foreign terrorism, you know, here at home and abroad. But they did it. They did it to eventually. You know how, how I don't know if you noticed when uh, Biden went over to Buffalo after the shooting. Uh, so he went over there to Buffalo and he used the word again. It came up domestic terrorism. So now this racist white supremacist who was a Democrat, according to what they said, he was a lefty and shot up these black people. Unfortunately, is now a domestic terrorist. So he's trying yeah, to use now, all these scenarios. Repeat, this this is general. This is some sort of generalized scenario. Can you be more specific about who this person is? Uh, it's, it's the it was the uh, Buffalo shooter. I, I forgot his name. I, I oh, don't have the it sick right kid, off the, bat. The, the the mentally yeah. ill child who yeah. who who self manufactured his own white supremacist salad manifesto, and then you know became it was a known sociopath, and then mm-hmm. of course he shot up. Shot up Buffalo. And, and, to obscure and, the other headline, which was where you know a, a radicalized um, CCP operative went into a Taiwanese uh, place of faith and shot that place up. Totally obscured. They, they, they didn't call him domestic terrorist. Yeah, I mean that is an actual act of domestic terrorism that happened, but I don't know why it's not getting any coverage. The CCP is a political entity. They they went in and killed people on U.S. soil and that's not in the news. In fact, I would like to talk about that one more because, you know, Glenn Greenwald and 
every other like Fox News affiliate person is is covering the Buffalo shoot, shooter, you know, pearl clutching and and you know with lots of elevated blood pressure. I'm going to talk shit about you know the whole Taiwan link here and how that's agitated and how that's happening here on the United States soil. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk China? shit about China because they told me I couldn't. Okay, I'm going to see what happens. Uh, Shayla, yes. what about don't for, don't forget the one at the metro in New York City, the black racist. They never called him racist, and they never called him domestic let's just terrorism. Let's call him racist. So for 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 in keeping, okay. If he did it yeah. racist, and he was a racist, call him a racist for real, like the Merriam-Webster racist, not the Ibram Candy racist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm gonna call him a candy racist when he's a woke guy, but if he's, I'm gonna call him a Merriam-Webster racist if he's actually a racist. <laughs> wow. Is there anybody incredible. else who wants to talk, Blotty? I gotta, I gotta invite other people to talk. Does anybody want to jump in and talk about this tax? You know, is is inflation a tax or a sanction on the United States citizen based on what's going on? Anybody else want to jump up? Jack, Stephen. Josh, anybody? Oh, all right. Stephen wants to talk. Thanks, Blotty. You can come back. Sure, I'll take a stab at that one. Hey, so I don't know if I'd consider it a tax necessarily. Um, So I've been listening to a podcast called Macro and Cheese for a little while now. Oh, okay. uh, Which is pretty heavily focused on modern monetary theory. And kind of the premise is, well, they, they, they do some pretty brilliant historical, um, I guess, context for taxation uh, with the uh, East Empire Trading Company and how basically Britain was able to impose taxes to people that, you know, had no idea what a pound sterling was or, you know, what, what kind of an obligation taxes really were. So, like, I don't know, like... I, I think that the framework for individualized sanctions is in place. And of course they're going to use that fragrant, fragrantly where <clears throat> wherever people are, you know, dissident. So if you have actual power, if you're exercising mm. actual power, then of course they're going to shut down your bank account. And this is exactly what happened in um, Canada recently. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Let's talk about that just a sec, uh, just a second. Cause I'm really interested in explaining to, to any now and future listeners about process and, um, there's a legal process and then there's kind of like a technocratic process. So if, uh, if you know anything about that, go ahead and, uh, and elaborate about any or either of those processes. That would be, that'd be awesome. Sure. Yeah. So the legal system obviously has had, you know, decades of, um, or centuries, really, of historical precedent um, around how to punish people with a codified system of, you know, thou shalt do this and not this. Um, So interesting you bring up Glenn Greenwald. Um, I've been following him for, what, like 20 years now, something like that. Um, And uh, one of the first things I ever heard him talk about was the rule of law. Uh, So if you go back to like 2001, 2005, sometime in that time frame, uh, he basically, I think, got started in political blogging initially um, uh, talking about the breakdown of the rule of law and how laws do not apply equally to people. Right. Uh, particularly so, wealthy. So, but, so that's the legal process somewhat. Yes. Did you have anything specific towards, like, maybe the Canada case or yeah, the Canada sure. situation? 
so it's an extra legal thing um, where it is extra legal. Okay, go is. ahead. Yeah, yeah. So basically, it's Swift, right? Um, the ability, uh, the same thing that they use to impose individualized Swift. sanctions on um, on on you know dictators halfway across the world, you know, shut down their private bank accounts and make sure no banking entity will ever do business with them, and of course, harshly punish anyone who who does. Um, that, that same method is exactly what they kind of used in Canada in my mind. So yeah, they basically shut down your bank account, seize your funds and it's, it's modern day piracy and there's no due process to your point, right? There's no court, there's no judge, there's no jury. Uh, they just come in and they, uh, the, the banks decides to seize your funds. So I don't see much of a difference, um, process wise between what we did to Afghanistan, uh, you know, stealing all those, uh, functionally those people's food, right? And their access to that. And what we did to random protesters um, uh, through the uh, trucker unions and, and what have you. B- basically, nobody can afford food. If, if you don't have access to a bank account, how are you supposed to pay rent? How yeah, it's a sanction. That is an embargo. Yep. It's, a, it's a sanction. Exactly, yeah. So, so I, I don't know. What about gas? Like the the gas embargo? Like I don't I don't think there was a vote on that either. Like the 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 escalation. I don't think that there was a vote. I think it was an administrative move from the from the Biden administration to kind of put a tourniquet on gas and oil production domestically. All of it. I mean, just just all of it. And so, I, I don't think there was a vote or any kind of discussion about it. So, on, on so go that ahead point, on that. Yeah, on that point, um, OPEC has had a very successful strategy of price points and making it unprofitable to run a oil business in the U.S. And they've been very successful at running that model for, you know, decades. But are we buying more from OPEC? Right now, um, I don't I mean, it know, would make actually. sense if, if, you know, if we were going to shut down oil production domestically as a as kind of like a trade concession with OPEC but if we're not actually getting the oil from OPEC what was the point so uh, about three or four years ago I, I kind of went down this rabbit hole and the U.S. energy sector is terrifying when you look at how much actual electricity production and how much fuel just logistics alone uses you know we're talking about millions and millions of barrels a day right uh, so it's just terrifying trying to, you know, understand the scope of it. But um, I think that with the petroleum reserves and everything else, um, yeah, it, it's just so massive. I don't think, you know, any one source is actually adequate for the U.S. and, and our appetite for, for energy. Well, I think that we could self-satisfy, though. I, I sit here in Texas, you know, there's oil derricks in people's yards, and just these little mini pumpers. And, and if you have lived close to or adjacent to actual oil, and then kind of you have this massive question mark over your head, like why aren't we just self-supplying domestically? So, uh, well, we could get into that. Um, kind of my perspective on it, you've heard the term peak oil, right? Yeah. Yeah, I know, so, I know a lot about peak oil. Peak oil. Yeah, yeah. So... We're presumably like, what, 10, 15, 20 years past peak oil. And um, I, I think that that's one of those games where the last person to produce wins. 
And um, I, I think that that ties in a little bit with... Uh, what do they win? If people can't <laughs> the operate market. their cars, then what What the well, hell do we win? Look at what's happening in Europe right now. Uh, you're, you're winning the ability to heat your home, uh, to travel cheaply or comparably <sighs> cheaply. Um, uh-huh. Just participate in the international logistics and infrastructure, right? Is is like without oil, you literally don't have uh, a stake in that game, right? Is, well, is... <laughs> uh, here, here's the thing, Stephen, is that, you know, I, I live in an oil-rich state, but it's not the only – we're just really powerful. There's a ton of power in Texas. I mean, a, a literal energy power because we diversify our supply. There's solar, there's wind, there's – there's. I mean, there's just a hundred ways. We've got natural gas. We've got everything. we got it all. You know, Texas is not suffering for lack of energy. And I think we have a very practical energy policy, but there's political enmity at the top because now it's about corruption and strategic investing where one side benefits to to make the margins against the other one. So this is kind of the new American oligarchy. If there is one that's kind of evolving as a parallel form of government uh, that foists itself against the United States people, a form kind of this, I don't know, metafascism. And it's based on, you know, people who can self-deal and never get caught or never, never go to court or never any, anything bad happened to them. I'm not sure I understand that fully, but I would agree that foreign policy, the U S uh, and the Department of Energy have always been uh, a terrifyingly close knit group, right? Is I know that we've gone to war for oil and for oh, other energy markets. Yeah. That so, like, I don't know that I fully understand the reasoning behind that. Um, they, they never make that public. So, unless you specifically work for Department of Energy or, you know, the uh, the Department of State. I'm not sure that you get to be in those conversations, but I agree. Well, I mean, yeah, but even, there's... even you know, this happened, what, 15 years ago. So the FOIAs are there. If somebody wanted to know, they could ask. But there, there's no excuse for being steeped in ignorance. Hey, Stephen, thanks for, for calling in. I want to talk to you guys. Talk to you again. Keep coming back. I want to talk to Joshua next. Take the next caller. Okay, Joshua, unmute your mic. Inflation. Is it a tax? All right. Or a sanction? Uh, well, just think Greece and austerity measures. Um, so, I mean, it, it makes it a lot better if we're burning our own country down to be able to control us because we're unwieldy and ungovernable all of a sudden. It's not their fault. Ungovernable. Whatever. I have a hangover. You give me this show to give me my hangover. hangover. <laughs> you sound like you're dipping anyway, your mic uh, in, 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 uh, in, in bath water. That is not happening. I'm on speaker. Okay, good. Thank um, you. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the other thing. So austerity, I feel like this is austerity measures, but that's maybe just my personal universe. Um, but if you want to take it all the way to like social murder, like, I don't know if you guys have ever heard that term, but essentially you I just created I've never heard that term. That's, that's a new to me term today. What is that? Uh, so essentially you just create a society where everybody's just really fucking angry and volatile. It's kind of like a Mad Max world. Um, and then it just, it, it, it's not fun, but, you know, 
because people are so busy and caught up and just trying to live and survive uh, versus mm. thrive. Sounds like L.A., man. So, sounds no, like really. L.A. run by a it's bunch of chaos, chaos warlocks. It's so crazy. I don't want that. Did you say, did you say kale warlocks? Kale? No, I said chaos warlocks. Oh. It's like a hey, gaming well, thing. Oh, okay. I don't know. I do not do the Call of Duty World of Warcraft warrior bullshit. Sorry. Um, uh, but uh, the only other thing I was thinking in regards to energy sovereignty and the corruption within the oil and petroleum industry, which has been, I mean, it's blatant, uh, has been for decades, um, is uh, why not look at biocomposites, especially in a place like Texas, like hemp. Like guys, like that has the ability to be a biofuel. I'm a huge hemp uh, advocate, so full disclosure. Um, and uh, I see that as something that, I mean, during World War II, we essentially grew it uh, again after we had been banned from growing it in the 30s because it was really good for so many uses. I mean, it has a long history in this company that predates uh, colonialization. This company? Um, and around the globe. You mean our country? The United yeah, States? Our country. Oh, yeah. You call it our company. It's our country. Uh, actually, I guess that was a Freudian slip. Uh, or maybe I, it might be a Jungian slip. I'm not sure which archetype I'm using today. Um, oh, but, okay. Well, I mean, I, I guess yeah. I, I get you now. I get, I get right. your, I get your drift. I'm saying um, the U.S. should go all in on hemp if they want to address their energy issues, but uh, well, we I mean that would require them to think other than. I, I I'm just going to break in and tell you, Dodge, that would require them to think strategically about diverse, diversifying energy solutions for the American public. It used to be that in the '70s. You know, I do recall that far back, unfortunately, that diversifying energy was a, a desired thing because we could choose uh, we could choose to, to run our cars and our things on things other than um, than oil and gas. You know, because oil and gas has been very dominant in the past. You know, that's that's where the they there there will be blood, and you know, oilers and big oilers have been around. They, they've gotten this 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 mythos around them. Like they're they're very scary. The Rockefellers are scary, and and you know they they are big and and big money, and now they've got a cult status. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like. They, they give them, you know, and then suddenly there's some sort of like, okay, because they're that rich, they're automatically reptilians. And, and it's just, it's just kind of, it's gotten kind of broad reaching and stupid. And so that, you know, that, that we're supposed to automatically fear this, this class of hugely rich people, you know, just be afraid because you're small and poor. And I think that that's, that's dumb. You know, I think that that's actually some kind of um, licensing of CIA conditioning or, or people who run, you know, they, they get these propaganda rumor mills and then they put these urban myths together uh, about these ultra-rich people 
And I've thought about it for a little bit, and I'm like, that's that would make sense. Like, you know, to are you to get simping? The- are you simping for oligarchs? No, I'm just saying. What is simping? Uh, essentially, just uh, like uh, sicko fans. Like uh, you're a fan. No, no, a no. I'm saying that you know, don't buy well, into the bullshit that they're they're actually more more uh, you know occult weird. You know, and and they've got this I, this, this weird. <laughs> You know, a cold power that they do, don't actually have. I don't think we're all on a dream of Chrome. Like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that, that, that's kind no, of No, I think the their lives about, are far like, more complicated. They're you know? probably equally. And, and, uh, who is it? Yeah. Uh, Alex Jones. Yeah. He's like, well, they all go to, you know, worship the, the, the Moloch oh, God. Right. And, like, is it really that all of them? You know, is it. Is it some of them that just have this really weird belief system? They're really psychotically narcissistic, so they choose an occult belief system that matches their, you know, their personal psychotic beliefs. Wouldn't that make more but sense? Fe- but fetishism cross classes, so I mean, like, I you mean, mean, it's just like the, the religious of, fetishism, yeah. not not like erotic fetishism. Well, I, I just mean, want to make sure I understand. Combine those, you know? Well, you can combine those. And people do combine those. Oh, I'm not okay. saying those don't create cults. But, but there yes, are that cults stuff that happens. contain I mean, you know, religious happen. fetishism and, and that's all involved, yada, yada, yada. Right? Well, isn't right? our war culture of fetishism? Isn't our war culture of like, oh, uh, like our phallus is our military. So, you know. It's, I don't know if I'm ready to make that pretty jump. blatant. I'm just, I'm just not ready for that. Not ready for that. Because tax money is involved, I, I, I'm not going to really, I'm not going to make that jump. Sorry. The, All right, I'm going to go know, back, no back to Blotty. Joshua, uh, do you have anything uh, more, so, more to say about the sanctions or tax issue? No, it's just it's a fun, fun time. Thank you for the Monday morning update. <laughs> <conversation. laughs> okay, thank you, thank you for calling. In. Hey, Blotty, unmute your mic. So, so adding to what. To this great conversation, uh, Shayla, maybe it should be called aborted economy. Why do I say aborted economy? Yeah, they're sanctioning us, but look at what Trump did in the, approving the Keystone. We wouldn't be in this mess by now because it was about to be completed by this year. And what do they do? They 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 basically destroyed the whole infrastructure. Not literally because it's their place. But they did it on paper. Why do they allow these nutcases called, you know, climate changers mm-hmm. and environmentalists to rule our day and make our laws? Let me give you another example. Mm-hmm. Well, no, let me aborted- let me respond to that because you know this is one of those those kind of wedge issues between me and the in the Trump clan. And what it is is that Trump, you know, had this nasty habit of saying, well, because it's Trump, I'm automatically right. And he had his own version of disallowing of, of, of an equal debate about things. Okay, there was a dissent over the XL pipeline. Just like there was a dissent in the American public about the, the personal tax that came down to not going along with, with the ACA healthcare plan. Okay, nobody really wanted to just, you know, if they don't want to participate in, in, in government medical health care, they don't have to. But Obama put this tax out there 
that you know you will you will pay for this because it's government health care and uh, the individual mandate and nobody was nobody was on board so many people were just like this is odious this is a tax upon the people and and it was and I was glad it was the first thing that Trump went after I mean he signed it almost like the day after he got into office for that that was one of the good things he did but one of the bad things or the things that that kind of I didn't agree with at all is the fact that he he trounced or he ran over private property owners in Texas and in the Lakota territories he did not hear them out he did not provide them with you know uh, you know any kind of trade or any kind of it was just like no we are gonna slap this this Canadian pipeline over your lands and you're not gonna say anything about it because I'm gonna play God right now and and oil oil gods rule because XL pipeline and that is why he lost because he didn't go to the middle or negotiate or you know kind of crook crook the pipeline around the areas in the lands that, that to where it made sense and then it conformed to private property laws and and the wishes of people who had uh, had treaties in those areas because he didn't do it in a nuanced way well that became a big herald for the you know the the global green class and people who came right in and it was the first thing that they did and I also agreed with that because they, he railroaded private property rights which I'm never okay with body ever that's, that's the state can't just come in that, and you, take you, your shit eminent domain is not okay no I know and unfortunately a lot of the governments they, they play on that especially the, the Democrats here in California uh, they usually kick out an old lady from her house especially if they want to run a freeway or whatever excuse right and the person doesn't want to sell they'll use those claws or unused land you haven't used this land and we want to develop it you know well, there happens to be someone over. there. It just so happens yeah. that that person is an, is an inconvenient population in the path of what the state and this big commercial interest wants. Okay, I saw it myself in, in, in L.A., in, so, yeah, in, that's where I got it first taste. In, 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 in situations like that, what I would say is, uh, like right here, we have that problem, believe it or not, Shayla. If you remember L.A., we can't run the 710 freeway beyond Valley Boulevard. It's unconstructed. These dumb fucks here, whoever was in power back in the 50s, never decided, We never thought or, or, or overlooked that L.A. was going to grow. And just like the, eventually the 110 needed to grow too, there was a 710, which didn't finish its development past uh, uh, basically Alhambra or still. Uh, uh, they should have continued developing all the way into Pasadena. So now yeah, people have Glendale. to drive down Fremont. And, and, and what happens? We're, we're stuck with it. There's people that want to develop, but now there's so many homes. Of course, any, anybody would get insulted. You don't want to have a freeway over your, your, your home kind of thing, and you don't want to sell your home. But there was, I believe, there was a time where it could have been done, and it should have been done. But those are paths, and I don't think it's going to change. Because now, to change anything like that, the only way to legally and in a, in a, in a, in a, in a nice way get people to leave is offer them for the value of their home, which is a lot of them are already million dollars, if not over 800000 perhaps, on some of the homes, you know, to buy all that property. Imagine how much the, 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 uh, the state would have to spend. But then again, that in itself is another story and it's another method. That part of Trump, I didn't know exactly. What I do know 
is in regards to if like for example right now that we have the oil lease permits that this dummy in the white house didn't renew so there we have alaska which is basically a mother load of of petrol uh being extracted and it's been it's yeah, been like yeah. that for like the longest that's the kind of shit i'm really complaining about they're just like no oil period no yeah. oil period and, and, and i'm like why and not, and not to mention the gulf coast don't forget the gulf coast right you know? right well i and think i think this? the gulf coast is a little bit sensitive still i mean they, they're they're more forgiving than i would be but i i had to sit there and watch you know does anybody remember 2010 you know when Go obama ahead. didn't handle that and mm-hmm. for like oh, yeah, two and yeah, a half yeah, months exactly. you know there was a billion millions of gallons of of crude just pumped into the uh, coastline does anybody it, remember? i grew up on the gulf for, coast for so that time, was really yeah. yeah that was really tough for me to watch man and on, on something the, like that, they yeah. by, by with all the technology and all the science, they should be able to stop it. Remember, during Obama's time, they also had that rig that went on fly on, on fire. Um, not only did it kill people and stuff like that. I mean, it's just horrible things. I know this is not going to come easy, and there's not a give and take, and there's not a destruction of of of, of the environment. I know, but there's something that's superior to the environment. I'm not saying you you look less at the environment. It is our way of life, and it is survival. We drive cars. Cars aren't going to leave. Whether motorized or electric, they're not going to leave. Let me give you another example, uh, Sheila. It has nothing to do with us necessarily. The country of Portugal, they're sitting on a landfill for miles of lithium, and all because of their green environmental policies, they don't want to dig. Those socialists would create a massive amount of jobs because they have high unemployment like Spain because of the socialist policies. They don't want to dig for the lithium mine knowing that there's going to be hundreds of companies coming to get that uh, lithium from Tesla to China to Russia to anybody. But no, why don't they want to dig? Because you're going to affect the environment. So we got to balance things out. People need to survive. People need to work. And we need the electric cars. It's going to take over, like it or not. Well, but the, come the, on. You know, the Greens had a choice, man. And they threw their kit in with the socialists. They did that in Europe. Okay. And now they, they get what they get. You get in bed with the socialists and you, you, you get what you get. You play they Because socialists are always like unilateralist, hardball, like force they use a lot of force they don't negotiate they don't allow the other one to speak you know in most cases uh, that sounds a know, lot when, like when they're trying to to get back in to decency graces and you know before they can but you know the doors are slamming on their toes right now because they they got their leg and their foot in there and then people said we're not having this and you know the leg came out to the ankle they got their ankle slammed and so now they've got like maybe a toehold now because of BLM and all this, all this, you know, this grabby. They got grabby during the pandemic in 2020. People saw them do this jailbreak shit. Okay, they they colluded with China. China gave them a bunch of money indirectly. Uh, Soros gave them a bunch of money, and they said, okay, well, we're gonna just we're just gonna paper over the American government and make it make it socialist by proxy. And because uh, I could see it transparently based on. You know what was going on all around me. The most uh, fertile ground for what they wanted to do. The most the people who had given them the most concessions uh, in in Seattle and the Pacific Northwest, um, and in you know the yeah Pacific Northwest. 
the Canadians included in, in many cases, you know, were, were yelling and screaming, no, we need to give the socialists more power. One elected communist on, on at least one, at least one in uh, Seattle City Council. And so they well, were the ones who were for not just, you know, abolish the police or anything like that, but they, they supported Chaz Chop and endured it for 90 days unconditionally, you know, and and the, the people who died and were became under malice because of that. Uh, Jenny Durkin doesn't have a career anymore because she, she over-conceded to the socialists, okay? Wow. So the Greens in that area did the same thing. So I watched the fruit from their tree, okay? And it, it looks like Portugal. It looks like a lot of things, you know. They went in for the WTO. They went in for the socialism. They went in with, you know, they let China park their real estate there. You know, they went, you know, they went in. They, they have been, they are, they are like a petri dish of social, political, how not to do your government, okay? And now we have portions of the country that were literally castigated for not being like them. And half of the state is not like them and they have no voice they have no you know audible consensus in the state house it's essentially a uniparty system where you know there's 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 typically votes um but it's it's dominated by the democratic party who is not democratic they're socialist you know parasocialists Shayla they, yeah. they sound a lot like my 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 home country California the next California <laughs> California and our Commissar Newsom, Commissar Gavin Newsom, mm -hmm. you know, he has the last word and it's run by mostly Democrats. So they do whatever the hell they feel like. They don't, they don't, it's not, uni, it's not bipartisan. They don't negotiate. It's like whatever they want to slam down, they do it. They don't check for inquiry with people, town hall, town halls or anything. They're not known yeah. for that. Yeah, not anymore. And, I mean, they, one... California used to be like a really like pro person, pro you know get up, share your voice. You know, it, it used to be that state. That's what it was known for. You know, people come came to that state because maybe it was a little bit too repressive in say South Carolina. You know, you couldn't you couldn't be who you were really. You couldn't say what you wanted to say really. You and, know, without and I'll, without I'll, fear I'll, I'll of end... being. You know, I'll, I'll end by this, Shayla. <clears throat> Nikita Khrushchev said it that they wouldn't give us communism all at once, no. but rather like droplets. Like if I'm right, I'm paraphrasing, I might be wrong, like droplets. And that when we least expect it, it would be, or yeah, you know, it would be here. And that's what I'm beginning to see. So yeah, I think Nikita Khrushchev, not that I favored him as a, in the Soviet Union. But he told the truth it, about the, the situation. Exactly. That's what I've seen. I'm like, damn, he was right. And, and that's what Alinsky played on and all the socialists that were in power from the baby boomers from that, that, that era. And, and they're the, the ones that haven't retired. They're still educators and professors. You know, it's, 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 it's nasty. It's sad. I can't believe it. I mean, my, my grandfather fought for this country. Shayla, he's the only one that went to war in World War II. He survived. And then he met my grandmother. We're from the Mexican side. He's uh, American. Uh, so I was born like Baja or, or, you know, no, like no. But my my grandmother came from the part called Guanajuato. Okay. Then my mother came in, but my grandfather he was on his second marriage. His first mm. wife had died, but he loved America. He was from the greatest generation or the silent generation. 
he didn't talk much about the war but when he did he shared and and he lost his brother there but he loved america he was, he was a hard man he wasn't just like easy going man uh he was a, lo- a loving person he could easily get along with him but he he was a man of few words most action and few words yeah and, i mean that's that's pretty see, that's he, pretty mexican dude that's that's that and, sounds about correct and, that sounds and, correct and and to see and to see and he being <laughs> even though he was latino he was he was born among whites raised among whites so he was he was more like white well, it sounds, uh, my grandma I mean, taught him Spanish. Southern U.S. That's that's very typical, and you know, you know, the, the whites are around. You know, my mom, my mom fell in love with a pilot, though. That I, I have no, I don't know how a kid from Jersey managed to get my mom. But I don't know. Believe don't it or not, Sheila, when it, he was a hot shit pilot, Sheila, <laughs> and I was like, when, no, no, mom, no. It was it was made in hell. Stop. <laughs> Yeah, never when, happens. When, no, go when, ahead. When Republican uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the liberal, came into power, my grandpa was there, and he saw it. He goes, "What is that Nazi doing there?" I was like, "Whoa!" And I, all, I immediately saw how he saw it much different. And I could not tell him, "Well, why are you being racist?" I could know he was justified in what he said because he saw it from a totally different lens. But I told him, "He's the actor. Remember." Conan, the barbarian, remember Predator? And but he didn't care for that. He goes, "What is that Nazi doing?" I go, "He's not like that." <laughs> but I couldn't convince him because right. that's how he grew up with. But you anyway, I just we're far away. I, Bloody, I got to tell you, we're really far away from from inflation as a tax. But you know, I'll tell okay. you what the what we are talking about. We're talking about socialism and and the way that socialism manifests, like say in Venezuela. Is is everything got real high, and the money got real irrelevant quickly, and quickly, quickly, very quickly. And then it is still now become a socialist state. And so, in less than twenty years, they destroyed mm-hmm. the country. In less than twenty years, yeah. So this it was is the what most we gotta prosperous. work. You know, and and I guess if you're if you're saying it's a tax, I think it's both. Because yes, there yes, is exactly. there's utter contempt from many uh, leading Democrats towards towards the American people that and an intolerance and absolute absolute intolerance. They do not tolerate um, political dissent to their agenda. What? That's their cancel culture. Yeah, and so that's that's what we're that's why we have the unsanctioned citizen podcast. You know, we got to talk about. You know, are you being sanctioned? How is it happening? This is a, this is both an inf- inflation is both a tax and a sanction, in my humble opinion, because of the way it impacts. You know, all of the people in the United States, and it turns out that you know, United States people are not not okay with it. They're just not okay with it. Oh, wait. Hey, Vlad, do you mind moving over? Andrew wants to talk. Yeah, sounds good. Nice talking All to right. you, Shayla. Yeah, thanks. thanks for coming in. You should come back. Hi, Andrew. Hey, I meet your mic and you can talk. Me in. Hey, uh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Right on. Uh, I wanted to say also what's up to Bladi. I saw you were in the queue for my first show the other day, and then you, you dropped out right before I was gonna end the show but i just want to say what's up um but yeah i i just kind of popped in a little late here we were talking to your your topic is basically 
is the uh, is the U.S. Uh, sanctions war against Russia and the EU sanctioned war against Russia? Is that are you basically asking if that's also a sanction against the U.S. and EU people? Well, I mean, there is some there is some sanctioning. There's there's sanctioning and there's counter sanctioning through through economic and and you know cyber tampering. You know our our influence in the crypto market suddenly got really bad, and I don't mm. know how precisely how that happened because it's not clear yet. I mean, I I don't, I don't think the Mandiant economic tampering is in yet. Like the audit reports are really back from that. It's still happening, so I'm not really sure how. I tried well, to get a, um, another aficionado, somebody who's actually pretty expert, but I think they're still getting rocked by that right now. And yeah. so there's there's all sorts of, of really odd things happening. But the inflation is real. That's what we can put our, our, our thumb on. And and yeah. so it's either, it can be a tax or a sanction or both. Well, it um, is both. What right? do you think it is? Well, I think in general, inflation is in some ways it's a private tax um you know if you look at the fire sector which i believe is uh is finance insurance and real estate um or not it may be food insurance insurance and real estate but that includes like healthcare insurance car insurance housing both for you know people who are trying to buy a home via mortgage or people who are trying to rent i mean that sector has been inflating steadily since uh you know the last 20 plus years that doesn't usually get included into inflation. So I think the narrative around inflation right now is to blame it on this, uh, you know, you hear it called Putin's price hike. The the um, the kind of oligarchs in the U.S. are trying to blame this on Russia. But really, there was already a huge inflation crisis during 2019 before COVID because basically um, the U.S. is providing money to Wall Street to gamble on the stock market. And you know the the fed in 2019 in, in, inserted billions there's this this law called tarp that was passed in 2009 tarp made it so that congress doesn't need to give individual approval for the fed to inject capital into banks if there is what is called called a quote unquote a liquidity crisis and the fed just keeps changing the definition of what is a liquidity crisis why so didn't you keep... call in earlier andrew I mean, I, I'm, I'm really glad you're here because that sounds like a real reason <laughs> Yeah, I mean, people should read about TARP. Um, and, but yeah, I was actually calling on another show earlier. Um, we were talking a little bit about uh, Thanks for calling in. Turkey. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Um, but yeah, I think in general, people can think of inflation as a private tax. I mean, realistically, there hasn't been, I mean, other than the, the, the fuel, um, there hasn't been a huge direct increase in any one commodity and fuel is is a commodity that affects the price of all the others because of transportation because of the way our our transportation and and um and kind of goods delivery services is structured in the united states the price of gas can affect that but there's no reason that a a three percent drop in the import of oil to the united states should result in all the rest of this inflation unless you think of it as a private tax because as a price pool, landlords, especially corporate landlords, those that are kind of subsidiaries of private equity companies like BlackRock, they're taking this opportunity to constrict uh, the housing there market. There it is they again, BlackRock. 
they want to own as much of the housing, um, especially single family housing market as they can in the United States. They've actually. Why are they being so evil? Why is BlackRock suddenly so evil? Not suddenly. I mean, that's what private equity is. Like McKinsey is that private equity firm that uh, Pete Buttigieg worked for. Um, you know, CIA spook Pete Buttigieg. He worked Buttigieg. for McKinsey, and part of what they do- yeah, what a d- ridiculous dude and name too. But like, <laughs> God, they're gonna try and ram him down our throats again. I'm sure. No, no, uh, that's not happening. I, I resist. Nobody's I'm doing sorry that. to tell you, they're going to try to do it again. No. They fuck. You know, they have him out no. on the book tour. I mean, I, everybody said no. Nobody, you know, they no. had to hand Nobody him the Iowa Buddy primary judge. over Bernie. They had to cheat to give him the primary in Iowa over Bernie. Like nobody wants Buttigieg. Um, but yeah, the um, the McKinsey, what they they are more into healthcare, I think, than BlackRock is. Although BlackRock's into everything. Like BlackRock owns a bunch of like music catalogs. I believe. Remember, if you guys saw that Neil Young was like, "I'm taking my music off of Spotify." He already yeah. sold out his yeah. entire music That's catalog. That's all part of that sanctions regime, to a, too. A, yeah. subsidiary of, uh, a subsidiary of BlackRock now owns Neil, Neil Young's music catalog. So he already made his money. But um, the point being that McKinsey, they're more into healthcare. Like, if you, if you noticed, um, a lot of times they're kind of blaming unvaccinated people for clogging up the hospital beds in the United States. Uh, so this COVID. is their, like, their, their, like, hostile PR firms. Like, like that's that's what it is and like it's time to start talking openly more openly because blackrock About is definitely these. an investor in in a monkeypox vaccine like they want to force things onto people it's all force so who well, who is it you know who are the characters at at blackrock that we really don't know they're well, so interested the in making people. everything go on to us you know maybe we should try to get to know them yeah instead of I, like policy raping us why don't we have a discussion? We definitely should get to know who are the people who are running the private equity firms, who are the people who are running the Wall Street capital firms, because they collectively they have a much bigger influence than these kind of like uh, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk types. I, I would put Bill Gates actually in a different category. I think he, he's diversified his wealth and put his tendrils mm-hmm. into so many industries that I think he has more influence than Bezos and Musk do yet. But these private equity firms, I mean, the wealth that is combined within them and the assets that they hold in land and other companies is greater than these individual billionaires who take up more of the conversation. And I think it's to people's benefit to understand who works in these private equity firms, what are their policy agendas, you know, what are the packets of legislation that they are handing to Republicans and Democrats to pass. Um, And, yeah, you can think of inflation as sometimes – you know, this organic thing that happens without kind of state intervention and price controls. Um, or you can think of it, uh, which it is somewhat, but it's also sometimes a concerted effort by, for instance, the real estate sector or, for instance, the health insurance sector to drive up prices as a basically a private tax. I mean, they haven't provided you any more goods and services than they were before. What they've done is they've they've gotten monopoly rent off of their behavior. And and the last thing, if you'll give me another second, is I wanted to respond a little bit about Venezuela. Go ahead. So were you guys kind of arguing that uh, socialism has driven the currency down and, and tanked the economy of Venezuela, the socialist policies? Well, I mean, socialism is part of it, uh, but but I, I'm, I'm game to hear your, your thoughts. I'm, yeah, so... Because you know, alternative versions of things are something that, you know... They need to get air. You need to be able to speak things that you haven't been able to say. Like I wasn't able to say that, you know, 
Trump kooked it. He screwed the pooch on on XL, and so that the the immediate like retaliation or the blowback for that was to get rid of the XL pipeline. If he'd have done it in a more nuanced manner, maybe it would still be here. Go ahead. Well, I actually think I actually think Biden um, got rid of the Keystone XL permits for political capital that he then spent on uh, other things. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he hasn't at all decreased the 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 rollout of more fossil fuel infrastructure in the United States. He's given out more gas permits than Trump did um, for drilling. He almost gave off a larger offshore drilling, um, you know, kind of basket of permits until he got too much pushback and pulled it back. So what he did is he released these 10 or 15 uh, executive orders that in name support uh, you know, in name only, support these policies that are are you know vaguely left uh, to win over the political capital and a little bit of the wool over the eyes of the people who support those policies. So that okay. while he's off permitting more oil and gas uh, infrastructure, people so he didn't are, get credit for that. Of that. Huh? You know, they're not going to talk about that on Fox. You know, but I'm glad you said it here. And then you wanted to say something about uh, socialism and Venezuela. Yeah, Venezuela. So Venezuela, um, in the late 90s, under Chavez and this very large people's movement, um, restructured their constitution. And the party that is the party of Maduro and was the party of Hugo Chavez, they're often called Chavistas because people are very loyal to Chavez still for all of the material gains that he brought people um, they did a lot for the people. They, for the first, you know, ten years of the Chavista kind of government, um, Venezuela's economy was booming. I would, I would say, the one economic critique you could give of them is that they didn't diversify from the oil sector enough, and that meant that when the United States imposed massive sanctions on them, especially on their oil industry, they were unable to recover economically because they had spent all of that capital already on other forms of development. For instance, I, I, I feel housed... a debate there because there was, there was, it, it crested like the, the cream was, was there. I'm not going to debate that. I know that about Venezuela. There was, there was a high point where there was Under a, a distillation of, of quote unquote riches upon the people. But then it went the other direction. And I think well, that the that... reason it went the other direction is important. I think if these capitalists who run the United States really believe that social, you know, they, they tell people that they believe that mm -hmm. socialism is a failed system that can't work. If they really I, believe I personally that, would... believe that. You know, well, I, I don't this, think that there is a single socialist system that has actually endured, that has brought long term stability to any nation. Well, First, look at China. China has had a consistent seven to ten percent economic yes, growth. Yes, but they're for the slaves, dude. Decades. That's not how you run an American well, yeah, Western they, society, okay? Well, I they're mean, not just, an American unsavory. Western society. But but listen to me though. If you really believe that socialism can't function on its own, I mean, it can, but it sanctions. requires you the loss of liberty and the loss of personal property. And I, I don't I think disagree. that that's a palatable you, look, choice. Just let me let me get out a couple of sentences here before you, you cut it. I, I okay. wanted to say Venezuela um, is not a is not an outlier in the way it runs its economy with regards to oil. There are multiple other countries, many actually over a dozen other countries that have similar state run enterprises that run their oil industry. And most of them did fine through the same period, even though there were dips in the oil market because of a drop in the price of oil. Venezuela did not recover because of the U.S. sanctions. I mean, the U.S. sanctions on Venezuela, okay. first of all, are illegal under international law. And second of all, 
If you compare Venezuela to other countries with the same policies that don't have the sanctions, those countries are doing pretty much okay. And just before the sanctions, Venezuela was doing pretty well. And if you really believe socialism cannot stand up on its own, why sanction it? Why not let it fail? If you if you want the people of a socialist country to buy into your narrative, I'm talking. I, I mean, good question. You, I think that that let it it's fail just a and process. let the people watch, and they'll understand. Yeah, no, that's no. Really I mean, I, that's that's a let it fail. That's a really see. good. You got your sentences out, bro. I just want to want to have a moment to respond to that. Yeah. Um, sometimes people in the United States State Department don't always have. Um, they're not always the brightest. What can I say? No kidding. Uh, they're using sanctions with Russia right now that don't work, but they insist on it. They insist. Okay? It's not mm-hmm. smart public policy. Okay? For the U.S. it is. For the EU it's not. It's not smart public policy for the United States because well, it's not it's working. working okay? exactly if it, as it's intended to. It's not working for the mass oh, people. Oh, you think so? You think it's working as, it's it's working as it is because it's not. Well – Look what it's doing. It's deindustrializing Germany. It's opening up the European gas market for U.S. LNG uh, sales. You've already seen Germany and multiple other countries sign up contracts with the U.S. to build LNG terminals to receive U.S. gas. And it's also opening up the market now for wheat. If the countries in Europe don't want to pay for Russian wheat in rubles, they're going to end up buying it from the U.S. and Mexico. Which is going to benefit? Well, I mean, that's that's a level of mercantilism that I think is is really unproductive in the long term. But of course, I they're agree. not asking people like me. All right. Well, yeah, they they're don't care they're about they're you. just doing the self preferential, <laughs> uh, you know, mercantilist uh, suggestions at the at the you know assessments of say like the CIA and other people at the DNI. Like, well, if you want this money, you know, you know, pay attention to us and listen. Listen to the security state. We know what's best. If you don't want to like, get oh, JFK, JFK, listen to Okay, us. security state. Okay, CIA. Let's just do it your way. Let's just go knock over some people for mercantilist reasons and uh, mm-hmm. and then destabilize other markets and fuck the U.S. people. Did I get it right? I think I did. Yeah, more or less. Yeah, thank it, you, Andrew. One thing we we, we got to wrap it up here. John uh, F. Kennedy, then go ahead and listen to the CIA. <laughs> You know, the CIA is, is, is good for certain things, okay? But they you can't run the United States exclusively on CIA intelligence. You can do part of it, but they're not good enough to run us as on the whole. They're not as smart or as worthwhile as, as everybody makes them out to be, okay? They're, they're, they're just not inclusive. They're a foreign agency, and they don't manufacture any relevance unless they're dealing with foreign shit. Okay, when everything is so top heavy on foreign shit and foreign policy, they're listening hard to the CIA and not the other branch of government, which is the United States Congress and the SCOTUS. Now, I've also seen that as of late, you know, the the pro intelligence, you know, aperture, the pro bureau state, you know, shills in Congress. Those people are deferential to eliminating the third branch of our government. And that's not something I've ever heard before. But I have heard before that the third branch of our government is the only check that could probably tell the CIA to go fuck off. And they are the only ones who's actively, openly threatened the third branch of government in the past. So, you know, they don't have 
the right to do these things. Okay, I'm just going to get voicey right now because the decisions they make aren't great. Okay, and they do not help the whole of the American people. And when they, they stop, you know, when they get humble and then start a service-oriented idea about themselves and stop recruiting exclusively sociopathic people, um, maybe we'll get some real work done in the world. But right now, we're getting in, involved in way too many wars. They're writing too many checks. And, you know, and who has to deal with it? Well, it won't be them because they say that they self-fund. So I think that the solution is to take the money away from the CIA and put it back into that that empty coffer. You know, just take it right, take their largesse. You know, kind of excise all those passports and you know reorganize that agency so that they're not too excessive. You know, but nobody's hired me to be the president. <laughs> I'm gonna give the last couple of words to Blotty, and then we gotta get out of here. Hey, buddy. The only agency that hasn't been held responsible before a court of law, you mentioned it, the CIA. Uh-huh. That is not right. They've toppled down government. Oh, they, 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 a, they took a, a shot at this government. They took a shot at and, us. Yeah, and I believe they're greatly responsible for everything that's going in. Even, I'm going to, whether it's controversial or whether you agree or not, the fraudulent vote. I'm sorry. If you saw 2,000 mules, I think it's already there. They're there not only to topple down other governments, like Obama tried to do with uh, Netanyahu during his reign in power, but here in America. So I believe that the enemy within is not the American people, but something called the CIA and the FBI and DHS. We should be looking into those. I leave it at that. You know, I love talking to you. Have a great day. Hey, thank you for coming by. (laughs) What a blessing. I'm so glad we had a great show. We had a lot of people come in. A lot of people talking, able to say things they weren't able to say because we don't censor on this program. We will fight you a little bit, we'll debate a little bit, but we get a chance to talk about things that, that you know, viewpoints I've never heard before. So I appreciate you guys for um, coming by and taking part in this uh, little bit of a debate over whether uh, this inflation is a tax or a sanction and about that. So we'll see you next uh, next Monday, 11 a.m., hopefully, Central Standard Time, without uh, any kind of technical hitches. But I'm just going to leave it there. Thanks for listening. Before you go, hit the subscribe button. Remember that callers are welcome. Subscribers can access Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast Archives at Substack, Automatic, iHeartRadio Podcasts, and Call-In. Please stay in touch. We want to hear from you. Visit SheilaMDean.com.